Welcome Inside the Vault. This is a collection of previously unreleased lessons from eight-figure entrepreneurial mastermind R. John Robbins. And in case you didn't see the warning label, this content can be explicit and it is for serious entrepreneurs only. This week, R. John compares and contrasts his experiences using two of the most popular frameworks for scaling a business, Scaling Up by Vern Harnish and Genko Wickman's Entrepreneurial Operating System, or EOS. Let's go to the vault. Working with Arjan is like having a shortcut to future you. Every time I can have an opportunity to spend time with Arjan, I try to take it and be a sponge. I thought everyone was crazy. You know, they were running to the front of the stage to see this person. Arjun's wearing his crazy shirt. You know, he drinks tiger blood in the morning just for fun, and he's like breathing down my throat. Sometimes it's terrifying to work with him. It's like he's looking into your soul, but it's, it's growth the whole way. Shifting gears a little bit. Um, you know, once I, I got past what you would call like level one and went to the level and put more of these things in place, it then became a matter of like, okay, now I can work on the business. What are the systems? What is the framework that I need to put in place for me, the team, uh, to actually operate off of? How is communication handled? How is, you know, the chain of command or the org chart? What do these things look like? And we had a conversation briefly before this because it's something that you and I are both familiar with. The, the book that we followed initially was um, Traction by Gino Wickman and following that EOS framework. Uh, I think there's a lot of benefits to it, but I think there's like an element to it. I think I'd like to have you speak on the difference between traction and scaling up, the other sort of popular framework when it comes to uh, you know, entrepreneurial management and these sorts of things. Um, because I think there's positives and negatives to both, but I think you know, also your, your stance on what are the things that, uh, if you've made that jump from level one to level two or level three, whatever we want to say, what are those frameworks that an attorney could put in place inside of the practice to help right. with scaling, not growth? Right. So I have nothing bad to say about EOS. I use EOS to help me with growing how to manage a small law firm. And then we graduated up to scaling up. I think that maybe in different industries, this wouldn't be the benchmark, but for law firms, EOS is probably the right place to start until the business gets to around, by $5 million in gross revenue, you definitely will or should have outgrown EOS. Um, and then it's time to kind of graduate up into scaling up. The big difference between, and keep in mind, Gino was a student of Vern. Vern Harnish is the author of Scaling Up. Gino Wickman is the author of EOS. And Gino was a student of Vern. And Gino used Scaling Up to build his business and then exit his business, and then he created EOS. Um, and 
I think the easiest way to compare and contrast is to explain what scaling up is yeah. and what EOS is not or isn't. And again, I use EOS. EOS is great. If, if, if you want to get to $5 million, EOS is a great tool to use. Just know that when you get to five, you're going to have to switch. Or you're going to be like having to supplement it with so much different stuff that it's almost not worth it. Um, so scaling up is based on four main pillars. Um, the, the people, the, the, the systems and the processes, the financial controls, and they call it cash flow, and the strategy. EOS is the people and the processes. Stop. It doesn't focus on financial controls and cash flow. It doesn't focus on strategy. Um, so, you know, when your revenues are $500,000, a million dollars, $2 million, you don't need strategy. Your strategy is growth. That's your strategy. Your strategy is I want to grow the top line gross revenue and I want to find more efficiencies. That's your strategy. It's kind of like when you're, when you're, when you're, when you're, when you're inside a gun, the only place to go is that way to get out. You know what I'm saying? Um, once you get the business up to around $5 million, you get more options. There's the world of options opens up to you. And now you need to really work strategically to decide what direction you're going to go in. Right. Um, and when you get the revenues up to around $5 million in a law firm, at least, there's a lot of ways to run an unprofitable five, 10, $20 million law firm. Um, you make 10 million a year, but you spend 10 million a year or more or more. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, I, th there's a lot of eight figure law firms that are out there and like they are bragging about gross revenues. Cause I mean, look, all the awards are gross revenues, right? No, no one goes to cocktail parties and talks about total owner benefits or what the bottom line is. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's just not what people talk about, no. right? A lot less sexy. It's a lot more sexy. Well, well, and cocktail parties in general. It's a lot more sexy to talk about your net income when you're dealing with sophisticated entrepreneurs. So, yeah. so the most sophisticated entrepreneurs generally are talking net operating income. Margin, all of it. Gross, yeah. exactly. It's like gross revenue is training wheel talk. You get what yeah, I'm saying? 100%. Um, and it's easy. Look, it's fairly simple to grow a firm up to around five or $10 million in revenue. I mean, it's, it's pretty simple to do. Um, if you grow or scale, grow is fairly easy to grow. I use my words intentionally. Okay. A law firm in, in pretty much any practice area up to around five or $10 million in gross revenue. There's just, you know, there's a ratio of dollars spent on marketing and advertising and sales, dollars spent on lawyers. You push enough money into marketing and sales, 
unless you're doing a really particularly bad job of it, you're going to see growth in top-line gross revenues. The problem is you don't necessarily make a profit doing that, number one. And the second problem is you don't necessarily build a sustainable business that starts self-managing and growing itself after you stop giving it all that input. Yep. You, you get what I'm trying to say? Um, to go back to the car analogy, you know, imagine you're in whatever second gear of your car and second gear, maybe you're cruising comfortably at 30 miles an hour, right? And you rev up the engine and you slam the accelerator down to the floor and the car like lurches forward from whatever I said, 30 miles an hour to 50 miles an hour. But what happens is the, the moment you take your foot off the accelerator, or, or it goes, you, you know, it starts slowing down, right? That's what happens in a lot of these five and $10 million law firms that have been built to grow, but haven't been built to scale. What I'm looking for is a law firm. What I'm, what I, what I'm interested in doing, what I like to do is to build a law firm that you can progress up through the gears, get to fifth gear, get to 80, 90 miles an hour, hit cruise control, and then just let it go and let it keep going. And then at the risk of changing analogies, I want the self-driving Tesla car law firm where I put the proper leadership team in place and I'm gone for 90 days at a time with emergency access only. And when you come back, you say, wow, while I was gone, revenues kept growing. While I was gone, the staff actually grew. While I was gone, the staff, and when I say grew, I don't just mean in headcount, but in skills and capabilities and performance and profitability. And while I was gone, the business became more profitable even than when I was here. Yep. That's a beautiful thing. The, uh, the very first time that I had that, we, typically, you know, COVID was a different story, but typically we'd spend July in Europe every, every year, a whole month uh, of July in Europe. And, uh, you know, I'd be early with the time change, you know, get up, you're working, whatever else the difference would mm -hmm. be. But then there was a shift where I started to make some of these changes that you're talking about. And it was basically exactly that emergency access only. And I was like, I almost had a panic attack. This is like, this can't be real. Like I'm waiting for the shoe to drop of like, what, the, what's the next thing that's going to like, I, what's going to happen. But exactly that, like revenue went up. We onboarded new clients, new hires were made. And I come back and I'm like, I feel like I'm living in a dream world. It didn't even feel real uh, because you talk about it, you read about it, but it's one of those things where you actually, when you finally go through it, you're like, it's almost like you see the promised land. Like it's re like this actually works. And you're describing my life yeah. and the lives of many law firm owners who you met at that last live quarterly meeting you attended, attended and it, it messes with your head. It does. Because next thing you know, it's a Wednesday afternoon and you're sitting there and your kids are in school and you're like, what am I going to do? And, you know, my, my wife, speaking for me, she's an entrepreneur. She's very ambitious. She's launching new projects. And I'm like, you know, hey, do you want to play? She's like, no, I'm working on something that I'm having fun with. Okay, well, you know, my son's in school. My wife is... Uh, 
doing her thing. And, and next thing you know, you go and make friends with someone like you because I just don't have anyone else to talk to. I mean, <laughs> but that's how it goes, yeah. right? And, and, and that's another reason why a lot of small law firm owners don't do this is because it requires such a, it requires such a shift in the way they live, right? Like, it's almost like I'm living a counterculture lifestyle, right? Yeah. Like, bass backwards. I, 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 I go out on my boat on a Wednesday afternoon and it's great because there's no one out there. You got the whole bay to yourself, right? You got the fishing holes to yourself. You got the dive spot to yourself. You got the gas dock to yourself. Unfortunately, you got to go out of your way to find people to share the experience with. Otherwise, you all by yourself. And a lot of people are using their businesses to get love and get security and get self-esteem. And they're using their business to get some sort of identity from. And that's a big difference between growing a business and scaling a business. You got to really find an alternate identity that's decoupled from the business. That's hard for people to do. It's hard. And there's, I think, a reason why. It's hard they, for me to do. It's, I mean, I'm nowhere near <laughs> your level, but it's even, I mean, it's hard for me by a, like a long shot. I still struggle with it. But it's one of those things where, you know, I've heard it so early on, and it just keeps getting repeated that uh, it's, success is lonely. Because you reach a certain level of certain things, you're like, well, now what? But I think that, you know, for me, it's not, it's, you know, I, I, I find myself less of like, going out on a bike ride on a Wednesday afternoon and more like along the lines of uh, what's the next thing that I could build or what is the other thing that well, I could work Well, that's what happens, on? right? That's exactly what happens is I gave the example with the boat. I mean, I live on a golf course. I have a massive collection of golf balls that have landed in my backyard because I live on the ninth hole of the golf course, right? I don't golf. I mean, I've played golf a couple of times, but I don't golf. I'm just not into it, right? No offense to the golfers, it's just not my not my thing. Yep. But it's like, how much can you golf? How much can you play tennis? How much can you go out on your boat? How much can you ride on your bike? How much can you play? Entrepreneurs are built to create things. We're built to create value. We're built to add value to the world. We're built to 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 be doing things, productive, right? And so it just gets easier and easier and faster and faster and it becomes almost like a game to launch new businesses, right? Because when you're free from the day-to-day and you have the financial resources behind you and you've got the amazing team behind you and you've got the confidence to try things because you've already failed and lost it all and know you can make it all back again if you have to, hey, you know what? Let's try that. Let's try that. That goes back to my slush fund. You know, the Arjun slush fund is like, let's try this. Let's try that. Let's try a podcast with Daniel's head insurance agency and see what happens. Yep. Right? Maybe something great. Maybe not. Give it a try. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Tune in next week for more lessons from the book.